and welcome to Bavarian Podcast Works coverage of the 2020 European Championships. My name is Jake Fenner, and today we are giving you a preview of Group E of the 2020 Euros. We will be going over the teams, a little bit of background information, how they got here, who we are looking out to watch during this entire thing, uh what the odds are, and then at the end of all of this, we will be giving you a rundown of who we think is going to progress out of each of these groups. So, again, Group E. We start with the first team in Group E, and that would be a team we are kind of familiar with, Poland. Uh, Bielo Czerwogny, uh, the Red Whites, they are 21st in the FIFA World Rankings. Uh, if we recall, they had a terrible performance in the 2018 FIFA World Cup. I believe they finished dead last in that tournament. Uh, after finishing Finishing in the European Championship quarterfinals in 2016 before losing to Portugal. Uh, they topped their qualifying group, Group G, with an 8-1-1 record and 25 points. Their manager is Paulo Sousa, a Portuguese manager. Uh, only recently, only since 2021, there's not really enough of a timeline of games in order to get a good quality of how... He's done as a manager so far. Uh, they operate in a 4-4-2 formation as well. A pretty flat 4-4-2, if I do say so myself. So, Tom, there's obviously one player that we all know and love on Poland, so I want to try and challenge you to come up with a player other than Robert Lewandowski to watch out for on this team. Oh, 100%, and that was kind of my thought process when I was doing the research and taking all the notes for this, and... Obviously, we know that that number nine, that man, Mr. Bobby Lewandowski, has goals in him. As we've seen in the past, though, if he doesn't have the service, uh, because obviously his support cast at Poland, not to discredit them whatsoever, it's just not the same as it is at Bayern Munich. I think everyone who watches football can agree. So I don't even think he had a goal in 2018, Jake, or Euro 2016. He might have scored a penalty. He might have had a goal. I know in 2012 he did score at least one goal for Poland. Um, but because of that, he's going to need the service. The productivity is going to have to come from somewhere. I'm going to go ahead and highlight Piotr Zielinski from SSC Napoli. Didn't have his most productive season in Serie A, but boasted a record of eight goals, 11 assists for Napoli. I think he's going to be that guy in the center of the park just behind Lewandowski that's going to have to be that creative playmaker, that creative spark. Uh, and create chances for Lewandowski. And, you know, I think he's going to be a very, very, very key focal point for this Polish national team. Obviously, all of the attention in the world is going to pay, be paid to Lewandowski. So it's going to be difficult for Poland to find ways to, you know, uh, get service to him, A, and then B, calling on other players if they can't get him the proper service. So to me, Zielinski has to be that man, and I want to see him step up big time in this tournament. While he isn't the player that I'm going to highlight to watch, I'm very interested to see what role Arkadiusz Milik takes in this entire setup, being that Robert Lewandowski is so used to being a solo striker, being a target man, playing alongside another striker. I want to know what kind of role Milik is going to take, whether he's going to try and be a more creative striker, whether he's going to be just basically another poacher like Lewandowski is in the box. So it'll be fun to try and see how he's used on this team. Other than him, I'm very interested in Gregorz Krakowiak and how he performs 
in this team, whether or not he pushes up the field, whether or not he drops back in a center defensive role, uh, a center defensive midfield role that is like he has usually played most of his club career. So we will try and find out uh, what that looks like as these things, uh, as these games go along. They have odds of 80 to 1 to win the whole thing, and they have 11 to 2 odds to win the group. So we move on to our next team, Slovakia. Uh, the representatives, there's a long word in Slovakian, shortened down to repre which means representative, so I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, 36 in the FIFA World Rankings. They reached the round of 16 in the 2016 European Championships, but they lost 3-0 to the Germans. Uh, they finished third in their European qualifying group, Group E. They beat both Irelands, a.k.a. all of Ireland. They beat the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland in the playoffs in order to get to this point. Uh, they beat... Uh, Ireland first, Republic of Ireland, and then Northern Ireland in order to get here. So, uh, their manager is Stefan Tarkovich. Ever since 2020, he has a 3-4-1 record on him. They play what really looks like a 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one, uh, with one player. It looks like it's Hrosovsky as that center defensive midfielder. So, Tom... Uh, Traditionally, we have gone back to Slovakia and just said Marek Hamšík is the one player to watch out of Slovakia, but that's obviously changed over the last couple of years. Who are you keeping an eye on? Whoa, going back a step, doing Martin Skrtel a little bit dirty there, Jake. <laughs> Who? Yeah, Martin Skrtel, a, uh, a certain very intimidating-looking center-back figure that spent many, many years in Liverpool. But we digress. For me, I actually went the Bundesliga route for this, and I highlighted Peter Pekarik specifically because this is a guy 34 years old, right back. His contract with Hertha Berlin expires this summer. I think we all know, any of us who follow the Bundesliga, we kind of can, unless you have a deep-rooted hatred for Hertha Berlin, we can you can kind of feel disappointed for just the amount of money that was thrown into the club in the past couple of seasons and how much they underperformed with the money that was spent and you know the failed experiment that was Jurgen Klinsmann and all of the rifts that he had with Hertha's front office. Uh, I mean, you know, that's another discussion. We, we could digress to that until we're blue in the face and spend hours talking about that. But um, for me, Pekarik, this is more than likely going to be his last major international tournament. Don't know what his future holds after this summer, so I really want to see him go out on top and go out swinging. Uh, so, and I just as a veteran player in the squad, especially in that defensive unit, he's going to be a key piece because they're going to have to thwart the uh, the attackers from Spain, obviously Mr. Lewandowski, and then uh, you know a, a bevy of talented strikers who also play in the Bundesliga for Sweden, which we'll get into. But you know, it's going to be a very difficult tournament for Slo Slovakia. They're clear underdogs in this group, and uh, hopefully Pekarik as one of the veterans is going to be one of the players that everyone else in the squad can look to for that rigidity and that solidity. I found it very interesting when you said, oh, I'm going to go Bundesliga, and then you said Pekarik as opposed to Andre Duda, who is also in this squad. He's going to be an interesting player to watch. He really can play a wide variety of roles in the Who Scored guide we have. They have Duda basically playing right mid. 
which is not exactly where I'd expect him to play, though they also mentioned that he can be the lone striker, which is something more akin to what we have seen out of him in his playing days at Köln. Other than him, of course, Martin Dubrovka, the goalkeeper from, I believe, Newcastle, is Slovakia's number one, as well as their number one center back, Milan Skriniar, back there as well. So, with a team of pretty decent veterans and good youngsters, I really don't understand exactly why Slovakia's odds of winning the whole thing are 250 to 1 and their odds of getting out of the group are only 14 to 1, especially considering that Sweden is missing a certain somebody and Spain doesn't have a certain magical uh, dark wizard on their back line anymore. So, why don't we go ahead and actually get into that team Spain, La Furia Roja, the uh the Red Fury, 6th in the FIFA World Rankings. They lost in the round of 16 of the European Championship to Italy, and in the round of 16 in 2018 on penalties to the host nation of Russia. They finished 1st in European Qualifying Group F with an 8-2-0 record. Their manager is former Barcelona manager Luis Enrique. Uh, Ever since 2019, he has had 12 games played, uh, 5 wins, 6 draws, 1 loss, which is interesting, but then again, they haven't had a lot of time together. Formation being a 4-3-3 screams tiki-taka to me, and especially screams tiki-taka to me, being that it is a setup with two central midfielders and one central defensive midfielder. So, Thomas, uh, you can't pick Sergio Ramos because he's not on this team anymore. You cannot pick Ansu Fati because... He's not on this team either. So who do you like on this Spanish team? Well, they're doing me favors because you will never hear me uh, breath anything positive about Sergio Ramos. So I'm glad I don't have to sit here and talk about him. But Jake, as you mentioned, while I dislike him, the respect as a world-class footballer is 100% there. I have to make that clear. But it feels like it's the first tournament in my lifetime that he's not going to be a part of. And because of that, I kept a a, a strong focus on this Spanish back line. And I went ahead and focused on Americ Laporte. I know there's a lot of subplots surrounding him with this whole rift of choosing to represent Spain instead of France. The snubs that he's had uh, from Didier Deschamps, Le Bleu, the French national team squad, never getting a look. Been an odd season for him at Manchester City. Uh, had to str- work hard to get his way back into the starting lineup after a long injury layover. Ruben Diaz was the main man for Pep Guardiola uh, at Manchester City, proving to be one of the signings of the season uh, for any club, let alone in the Premier League or Manchester City. But, you know, the first major international tournament without Ramos in the side, this this uh, Spain team is going to need leaders in the back, and Laporte is, for me, going to have to be one of those key cogs and you know, can he do it? He did miss quite a bit of time through injury this season, so curious to see how he will do in that in that back four without Ramos. Interesting note on that Laporta point. I found it very interesting that Spanish media were kind of attacking him for making his decision to uh, join Spain. Somebody asked him basically like whether or not he feels like he's ready to be able to represent the team, which is a bit of a ridiculous statement because 
One, Laporta is a world-class footballer. Second of all, if it wasn't for Laporta on this team, your back two would be Pau Torres and Eric Garcia, which is not that exciting and not that defensively stable. If you're the Spanish national team, I'd be scared if I wasn't starting a Marek Laporta. Anyways... I am looking towards Danny Olmo of RB Leipzig as well. He looks like he's going to be playing at like a left wing role, which would be very fun and very interesting for him. But the one person I am keeping an eye out on is uh, recent Europa League champion uh, with Villarreal, uh, Gerard Moreno. He had a fantastic season for the Yellow Submarine in their win over... Uh, over Manchester United in the Europa League final and throughout the uh, the La Liga season that he played pretty well in, uh, finished with 30 goals and 11 assists in 46 games played, which is fantastic for him. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on him. There's odds that he might be the top scorer for this entire tournament, and I somewhat agree with that estimate. I think that is definitely something we can see out of him. Now, moving on to our final team, Sweden, the Blagut, or the Blue and Yellow. They are 18th in the FIFA World Rankings. They uh, f- finished last in their European Championship group in 2016. Then they made a surprise run to the quarterfinals in the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Uh, they finished second in their European qualifying group, uh, Group F, with a 6-3-1 record and 21 points. Their manager is Jana Andersson. Ever since 2016, he owns a 28-10-17 and 17 record over 55 games and plays a flat 4-4-2 with that team. Tom. Uh, no Zlatan Ibrahimovic for this team. There was a rumor that he was going to be considered for this team, but an injury kind of left him out of consideration, which it's interesting that we were even considering seeing Zlatan Ibrahimovic being back in on this Sweden team, but instead they have to deal with um, some other possible players in that position. But outside of Ibra, who are you looking to on this team? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we just won't have the chance to say Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I'm sure uh, BFW's own Marcus will be uh, listening to this one and correcting you on the pronunciation of the Swedish uh, nickname if he hears it. But, uh, Jake, for the past couple of teams that we've been focusing on, I just always have this like uh, overwhelming feeling that I'm going to steal your person because there's so much Bundesliga influence in all of these groups, which I think the world needs to take note of cough cough watch the bundesliga support the bundesliga um but because of that i'm going to go with mines's uh, robin quaison and not only just for his goals uh and the production that he has for both mines uh and for sweden but just because looking overall at the form i think anyone who watches the bundesliga will know the surge that mines had as a collective under Bo Svensson that helped them um really uh, fight and survive with flying colors and, you know, stay away from the relegation zone. I thought, think a lot of people uh, midway through the season, perhaps in the beginning of the Rukrunda, thought that, you know, it was going to be a very difficult task for Mainz to stay up and, you know, get out of the relegation zone. But uh, led predominantly by the production of Mateta up front, uh, the French the French striker for Mainz, Robin Quaison, was a close second. Uh, six goals and three assists, and three of those goals came Jake, as I mentioned, uh, in the late surge in the Rook Runda under Bo Svensson. So 
Uh, I would hope that he can carry that form. Like I said, the most recent form from those uh, last matches in the Rukrunda in the Bundesliga over to the Euros. And I'm very curious to see how he will go up against not only the Spanish backline, Slovakian, uh, but also the Polish backline. And he's the guy I'm going to keep my eyes on. I'm looking at two attackers here. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski, he is only 21 years old. I mentioned in the Group C episode that Tyne Coop Miners was going to be my person to watch out for a young player of this tournament. But if it wasn't Tyne Coop Miners, it would probably be Kulusevski, in my opinion. Uh, he scored seven goals and seven assists in 47 games played for Juventus, and I think that he has a great potential to shine for this team, whether it is on the left wing with uh, replacing Emil Forsberg, or if he is on the right wing replacing Kleisson, or if he's up top replacing uh, Marcus Berg at striker. But in speaking of Marcus Berg, his strike partner is going to be Alexander Ishak. He has scored 17 goals, assisted two in 44 games at Real Sociedad. So he is definitely somebody that we can watch out for. He's been performing pretty well for the Swedish national team in the games that he has played with them. So, Tom, that brings us to the end of Group E. What is the pecking order that you're thinking for this? It's a little... It's a little bit tough. It's a tight group here who are you liking i'm actually gonna kind of shock a little bit of people here switch things up uh, and i'll kind of explain myself with that i'm actually gonna go uh for sweden in this top spot followed by um followed by spain the polish to get the third spot uh and then slovakia to finish fourth however it is my desperate hope that poland does get that second spot or perhaps even wins the group. I think Lewandowski deserves it. I think, you know, all of the Bundesliga is going to be rooting for him. Allegiances aside, obviously a lot of Bundesliga fans have, you know, uh, nationality and allegiances to other nations that are in this tournament. But, you know, it's very, very hard to dislike Lewandowski uh, in the complete anomaly that he is. Uh, but Jake, just looking back at Spain, I mean, they have had some real stinkers and shockers in past tournaments, losing to Russia 2018, uh, losing to Italy Euro 2016 when they were heavy favorites. I know there's more uh, that have happened recently. And of course, now that I'm talking about it, they've all just gone from the front of my mind to the <laughs> dark abyss uh, in different parts of my mind. But they just always seem to have a complete shock performance in them, uh, you know, in a negative sense. So that's what I'm going with. Just to recap, Sweden, number one, Spain, number two, Poland, number three, and Slovakia, number four. I agree with shaking things up, but I'm going to do it in a different order. I think Poland wins this group. I think Spain finishes second, Sweden finishing third, Slovakia finishing fourth. And I do imagine that Sweden will most likely be one of those four third place teams that is among the best of this tournament. So with that, we wrap up Group E. Thank you very much for listening. Please be be sure to stay tuned later this afternoon for Group F, and be sure to tune in later tomorrow for our coverage of the first day of Euro 2020. So thank you all for listening. We will see you all later.